thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your hosts, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. All right, here we go. Uh, in three, two, one. Welcome to the Know Thyself podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I am Eduardo. And uh, hey, man, so I can't wait to uh, get right into this with you. There's um, so much to talk about, so much to say in regards to our continuation with the story of the bastard and the labors of Hercules interpreted by Alice Bailey. And, you know, um, Labor five. I can't believe we're here now. You know, the slaying of the Nemean lion, something that most people, if not um, all people, are mostly familiar with the myth of, of Hercules and, and the Nemean lion. But for those who are, are not familiar with, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, uh, narrate the story as, in, as broken down by Alice Bailey, and then we'll jump right into the interpretation. So, story time. Here we go. The great presiding one sat with the council chamber of the Lord, and there discussed the plan of God for all the sons of men, who are the sons of God. The teacher stood at his right hand and listened to his words, and Hercules rested from his labors. And the great presiding one within the council chamber of the Lord watched the tired warrior rest and watched his thoughts. He said then to the teacher who stood close to his hand within the council chamber of the Lord, The time for a dreaded labor now draws near. This man, who is a son of man, and yet a son of God, must be prepared. Let him look well unto the weapons that he owns, and let him burnish bright his shield, and dip his arrows in lethal brew, for dire and dread is the labor just ahead. Let him prepare. But Hercules, resting from his labors, woke not the trial which lay just ahead. He felt his courage strong. He rested from his labors. And time and time again, past the fourth gate, he chased the sacred doe clear to the temple of the Lord. Time came wherein the timid hind knew well the hunter who pursued her and gently came at his command. Thus time and time again, he placed the doe upon his heart and sought the temple of the Lord. Thus rested he. Before the fifth great gate stood Hercules, armed to the teeth with all the gifts of war and warriors. And as he stood, the watching gods marked his firm step, his eager eye, his ready hand, but deep within his heart was questioning. What do I hear, he said? What is the test, and wherefore do I seek to pass this gate? And speaking thus, he waited, listening for a voice. What do I hear, O teacher of my life, armed, as you see, with the full panoply of war? What do I hear? A call has sounded forth, O Hercules, a call of deep distress. Your outer ears have not responded to the call, and yet the inner ear knows well the need, for it hath heard a voice. 
I many voices telling you of need and urging you to venture forth. The people of Nemea seek your aid. They are in deep distress. Word of your prowess has gone forth. They seek that you should kill the lion that devastates their land, taking its toll of men. Is that the savage sound I hear? asked Hercules. Is it the roaring of a lion I hear upon the evening air? The teacher said, Go, seek the lion which ravages the land lying upon the further side of the fifth gate. The people of this ravaged land live silently behind locked doors. Forth to their task they venture not, nor till their land, nor so. From north to south, from east to west, the lion prowls, and the prowling seizes all who cross his path. His shocking roar is heard throughout the night, and all are trembling behind locked doors. What will you do, O Hercules? What will you do? And Hercules, with his listening ear, responded to the need. Upon the near side of the great gate, which guarded from the country of Nemea, he dropped the panoply of war, retaining for his use the club, cut by his hands from a young and springing tree. What do you now, O son of man, who are likewise a son of God? Where are your arms, and where your strong defense? This fine array of arms but loads me down, retards my speed, and hinders my departure on the way. I shall require not by my stalwart club, and with this club and my stout heart I go upon my way to seek the lion. Send word unto the people of Nemea that I go upon the way and bid them cast out fear. From place to place passed Hercules, seeking the line. He found the people of Nemea hiding behind locked doors, save but a few who ventured forth because of need of desperation. They trod the highway in the light of day, yet full of fear. They greeted Hercules with joy at first, with questioning later, as they saw the manner of his travel. No arms, small knowledge of the ways of lions, and not save a frail wooden club. Where are your arms, O Hercules? Have you not fear? Why seek the lion without defense? Go find your weapons and your shield. The lion is fierce and strong, and numbers vast he has devoured. Why take this chance? Go seek your arms and panoply of strength. But silently without response, the Son of Man, who was the Son of God, went forth upon the way, seeking the footstep of the lion and following its voice. The lion is where? asked Hercules. The lion is here, came the reply. No there enjoyed a voice of fear. Not so, replied a third. I heard its roar about the mountain wild this week, and I likewise within the valley where we stand. And yet another said, I saw the tracks upon a path I trod. So Hercules list to my voice and track him to his lair. For on the trail he followed others stood, and followed him with hope and fearful tremblings. For days and several nights he searched the way and listened for the lion's roar, whilst the people of Nemea crouched down behind closed doors. Suddenly he saw the lion, Upon the edge of a deep thicket of young trees it stood, seeing an enemy draw near, and no one who seemed quite unafraid, the lion roared, and with his roar the young trees shook. The Nemeans fled and Hercules stood still. 
Hercules grasped his bow and sheath of arrows and with sure hand and eye of skill planted an arrow in the shoulder of the lion. Straight to the mark it flew. Upon the ground the arrow fell and failed to pierce the shoulder of the lion. Again and yet again he shot the lion until there rested not an arrow in his quiver. Then towards him came the lion, untouched, unscathed, and fierce with rage, quite unafraid. Throwing his bow upon the ground, the Son of Man, who is the Son of God, rushed with wild shouting towards the lion, who stood upon the way, blocking his path, amazed at his prowess hitherto unmet. For Hercules came on. Suddenly the lion turned and rushed ahead of Hercules into a thicket on the rocky sides of a sharp mountain way. And so the two went on, and suddenly, as he traveled on the way, the lion disappeared and was no more seen or heard. Hercules paused upon the way, and silence stood. He searched on every hand, grasping his trusty club, the weapon he himself had made, the gift that to himself he had bequeathed in days long past his trusty club. On every hand, he sought on every way he passed, traveling from point to point upon the narrow way that ran athwart the mountain side. Suddenly, upon a cave, he came, and from a cave there came a lusty roar, a rumbling savage voice which seemed to bid him to stay or lose his life. And Hercules stood still, shouting unto the people of the land, The lion is here, await the deed that I shall do. And Hercules, who is a son of man, and yet a son of God, entered the cave and passed throughout its darkened length into the light of day and found no line, only another opening in the cave that led into the light of day. As he stood, he heard the line behind him, not before. What shall I do? said Hercules unto himself. This cave has openings, twain. As I enter one, the lion passes out and enters by the one I left behind. What shall I do? Weapons avail me not. How kill this lion and save the people from its teeth? What shall I do? As he cast about for things to do and listened to the roaring of the lion, he saw some piles of wood and sticks lying in great profusion near his hand. Pulling them towards him, dragging with his might, he placed the piles of sticks and bundles of small twigs within the opening near at hand and piled them, blocking the way into the light of day, both in and out and shutting both himself and the fierce lion within the cave, then turned and faced the lion. With his two hands he grasped the lion, holding it close and choking it. Near was its breath and blasting in his face, yet still he held its throat and choked the lion. Feebler and feebler grew the roars of hate and fear. Weaker and weaker grew the enemy of man. Lower and lower sank the lion. Yet Hercules held on, and thus he killed the lion with his two hands, without his arms, and through his own great strength. He killed the lion and stripped its skin, shooing it to the people without the entrance of the cave. The lion is dead, they cried. The lion is dead. We now can live and till our lands and sow the needed seeds and walk in peace together. The lion is dead, and great is our deliverer the son of man, who is the son of God, named Hercules. Thus Hercules returned in triumph to the one who sent him forth to test his strength, to serve and meet the need of those in dire distress. He laid the lion's skin beneath the feet of him, who was the teacher of his life.
and gain permission to wear the skin in place of that already worn and used. The deed is done. The people now stand free. There is no fear. The lion is dead. With my own hands, I strangled thus the lion and slaughtered it. Again, O Hercules, you slew a lion. Again you strangled him. The lion serpents must be slain again and once again. Well done, my son. Go rest in peace with those you have, released from fear. Labor the fifth is over, and I go to tell the great presiding one, who sitteth waiting on the council chamber of the Lord. Rest thou in peace. And from the council chambers came the voice, I know. Cool. Well, there's there's the entire story, um, and I apologize to anyone for my um, slow pace in in um, narrating the story. But I know that a lot of people are listening to the story in a faster speed. And if you're not, I highly recommend it. If you can just like speed it up and kind of get uh, the download for what you know really is being said by Alice Bailey and this wonderful perfect. interpretation. I thought it was perfect. I'm going to listen to Thanks, it man. actually on half speed. <laughs> real slow <laughs> i appreciate you man so um yeah so we'll, we'll there's a lot to talk about and for those who already know dale and i normally break down each labor um twice so we break down the story and the myth and then we end up you know having this longer conversation about the more technical aspects to the astrological connotations connected to the the sign that's being uh, interpreted but today you know again alice bailey just does such a wonderful job you know of of being able to use the 12 signs of the zodiac uh, in this in this story and this uh, esoteric understanding of of the astrological uh, interpretation. But one thing that I really was impressed with when now that we're at number five with her is her, um, you know, I know, I know she, she studied theosophy and I know that she has a lot of people in her circle that sort of have an influence on the way she interprets these understandings. But this is the first one that she really brings in a lot more of this psychological approach to the subconscious and what's going on and specifically um, the pineal gland. And so I'm excited for that. And, um, and obviously there's the numbers and everything else. So I'm going to try really hard to not go too ahead of myself because I know this, that part two will break it down with more specifics, but yeah, let's get right into the myth and, um, take it away, man. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And again, thank you so much for doing the, the reading of the myth. I think as we started doing that, it just, it just really helps place all the individuals that are listening to this into that myth interpretation mode, you know? Um, and that's one of the things that I think we're going to kind of go back and almost add to the first three because it will, it just helps with the process, you know, actually hearing this right. myth rather than just us breaking it down and be like, well, what is that myth? Because we all know the story of Hercules, but we don't really ever like think about reading the 12 labors, especially in the order that it's esoterically truly presented through this work, which is, um, a, again, a very refreshing way to look at this ultimate story of you and us, you know, and it's a really beautiful way to kind of do that. And so, yeah, what we're going to be approaching here is really within the Zodiac, kind of getting into the inner psychology of the individual, because now we're getting to the fifth sign. You know, we've gone through birth with Aries, you know, we've gone through the body 
with Taurus. We've gone through communication with Gemini. We've gone through the heart with Cancer. And now we're getting to the aspect of the five-pointed star, which represents the man and the woman. And so we're really like making our way to more of a human experience within the Zodiac as we kind of keep climbing this this mountain that we're going to kind of top with with Capricorn and continue the journey of initiation, this is really a big stepping point for us. Um, and this is why the lion is such a dominant figure in the Zodiac and through mythology, as well as, you know, just religious symbols from the beginning of time. Right. Yeah. And, and I know that Alice Bailey, you know, references a couple of verses in the Bible um, where it's mentioned as far as the lion that, that you know, is, is told throughout the stories of all stories, uh, which I found very fascinating because this is the one uh, legend that, you know, is repeated over and over and over. But obviously, as you're listening to or in this case, reading anything regarding this um, aspect of the lion and what it represents, it's kind of self-evident you know of what it what it really entails and and who it's really talking about and and yeah so i think we should go back really quick if you don't mind to the number five you just talked about that in, in that sequential order or the way that it goes one two three four and the last four labors we did and now we're moving into five and you kind of already said it you know it's like we reached this point of man kind in in reaching that that fifth um, stage of this initiation and what it really represents. And so I think we should start there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, for all of our students of the esoteric and the occult, from the most seasoned to individuals that are just beginning this journey, numbers are the language of the universe. We didn't, we didn't invent numbers, we discovered numbers. And so the, the significance of these of these expressions and of this, these quantitative qualities that we kind of are represented here have such a deeper meaning than just what we were kind of first introduced in primary school. And so that's what we're kind right. of approaching. And we've explored this through the story of the fool with the Tarot and, you know, past, past episodes on this podcast, we've looked at numbers before, but this is going to be, um, this is a very important number. You know, not only for the Pythagoreans, not only for Western mystics, but also in Eastern mysticism. This is always one of the one of the most esoteric numbers for what it signifies. And what it's really going to kind of establish is the birth of the star, which is the birth of the sun god, which is the son of God. And you think about it, the five-pointed star is the first time we really can kind of see that shape take form. And that's what we're looking at in this fifth labor. The, the fifth labor, the number five, is going to represent the number of man. And again, remember when we say the name man, we mean women, we mean everything, every living right. aspect of mankind. mankind. That's a perfect way to look at that. Um, and what five represents, and I know we've gone over this before, but it's it's the proper ruling of the four elements of form capstoned with ether to show that the four elements are being guided by a higher universal life force. And that's what's going to be that representation of ether. And that's why that five-pointed star stands upright. And again, we've kind of spoken about this, you know, with the four arm, like the two, two arms and the two legs of the star are going to represent, you know, um, fire, air, water, and earth. And that head, the top point is going to represent ether because the head is how we make that connection to that universal life force. It's kind of the conductor. It's it's more the transmitter that we can pick up that energy from. 
And so in this number five, the, the individual truly accepts its universal or God-given right of being a blazing, dazzling, walking star. We are not fixed like the stars in the sky. We have free will, and it's through our determination is how we choose whether we shine or whether we dim that consciousness light that's radiating from within, and also we can find in the external, kind of with that like hide-and-seek episode. And so this is going to be the establishment of the I, the I am, the me, the mine. You know, this is really going to establish this like beginning of this human experience with the right trajectory kind of going forward. And that's what this, this number five is going to, you know, it's going to kind of really establish for us. And even when we think about the numbers that like add up to five, we have two and three. So we have duality, which is going to be two, which is this realm that we experience. And then we have the Trinity, which is going to represent the above. So this five is very much the merging of the above and the below. You know, even when we think about the number four plus one, we have the four elements, which represent form and what we experience here, plus one, which is oneness, which is the, which is that universal life force that powers all of those elements. It's the, it's that common denominator. You know, some people call it that universal life force. I know we like to call it on this podcast, the OG, the original generator. You know, whatever term you want to use there, please choose your own free will on that. But that's what we're talking about. That's that one energy. That's that universal life force that powers all life that we see on this realm. Absolutely, man. And again, I know there's there's an endless amount of information to really break down the number five, but I think you did a wonderful job since we're still talking about the previous four um, signs that we already broke down and how it all adds up to this number five. And even the power of, you know, summation or like actually finding a way to add up to higher numbers that, you know, ultimately lead to perfection and, and the development of mankind. And I like how, you know, Alice Bailey brings up the idea finally of subjective and objective, you know, and the esoteric and the exoteric in her, in her writings. And these are things that we've talked about throughout the entire series. And so you kind of start to see this sort of unfoldment, not just from, um, you know, the listeners that are listening now uh, and their perspective, but even you as a reader, you know, like I I highly recommend The Labors of Hercules by Alice Bailey, because as you sort of understand these uh, symbols and, and, and the idea behind everything that we are talking about, she has, um, she has a unique standpoint with her um, education at the time, but also you can see in her writing what she has developed as her own theories and also what she has, you know, a deeper understanding of, uh, numerology in regards to, um, you know, the, the, the breakdown of this story, because again, I think she does a, a very, very, um, good job, I should say, but I should say she's done a very, her pace has been very good as far as, you know, how she introduces these ideas that, you know, again, for those listeners who are seasoned and those who are new, you'll start to find in other writings and in other interpretations, the power of these numbers and what they actually represent. And so, again, I think that the way you just represent or presented that rather um, is done very well. So, yeah, no, man. And thank you for bringing up the, the unifying of polarities, like you said the unifying of the objective 
the unifying of the subjective. And that's what that capstone right. of the five does, the top of the star. You know, even the connection between the exoteric and the esoteric, right? We need to study the exoteric to get a better understanding of the esoteric. You know, it's a blending thing that kind of comes together. And, you know, even when we kind of think about the 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 different bodies that make up the individual, like the mental, which we met with the um, aspect of Aries, the emotional, the physical, and the vital are all going to be blended right. under the true rulership of the true king who we're going to meet today with Leo. And this is all about putting that king at the capstone, which is your higher self. And that's what we're going to be kind of exploring with this. And five really is that halfway point to the number 10, to the restart, to that rebirth, yeah. you know? So there's a lot of significance that we're going to kind of come with this. And again, we are, we, when we deal with numbers on this podcast, it's almost like a scratch and sniff sticker. Like we can only get like a little bit of an essence, but this is something that we're looking to very much explore on the new membership page in the new website, going into a deeper dive on the numbers, you know, and one of the things that's so nice about what we're working towards with that website is the visualization that can kind of come from that. And the idea of really kind of like giving us actual slides that we can kind of work with to kind of see these signatures. So if this is something that you're interested yeah, in, and I'm, we're going to, I think we're planning on having sure. endless conversations. You're probably going to like, be like, oh my gosh, did they say the number five? That's like Daniel saying the number aspect. How many times is he going to say the number five? And it's just going to be like, well, it's really important. You know, it's a, it's a big aspect to look into. <laughs> no, and I'm glad you say that. So, you know, part of my hesitation with a lot of these episodes when I'm, you know, trying to talk to only you, but also to an audience here is that, you know, when I talk to only you, I know exactly what my intentions are behind the definition or at least how the definition is unfolding. But we have to be very careful here on what we say to one another for the listener because we don't want to exclude you out of anything. And of course, you can always have, and as Daniel or, uh, just presented this whole idea of the free will that we're seeing here with the story of the bastard, you yourself have the free will to go and investigate more about what the deeper meaning and what the ancient uh, or Eastern uh, philosophers used to think of of the number five or what we think of it in, in Western philosophy. And you can sort of come up with your own interpretation. But yes, the website will definitely have more of a specific understanding. And that way you can put these pieces together. Because even Alice Bailey, you know, she does a good job at bringing up the number five, but she moves on to other understandings and other, and other um, ideas behind it that I think... I don't want to exclude anyone in and I don't want to also like talk about things that I'm not really sure if I have a full understanding of. So the development of all of this information as it goes on through the series um, is imperative for each and one of us to understand and have a better and clear or more clear uh, idea of why it's so important. You know, like I get I, what I'm trying to say is she, she doesn't linger on it, but she also doesn't exclude it. So yeah, I'm glad that you just um, mentioned that, that we'd be doing a more specific breakdown on these numbers. And and for anything else that's out there, you know, like one of the things that she brings up here is something we've talked about in the whole series of the podcast, and that's always the above and the below. And here in this story, you finally have that connection where, you know, what it's added up to. And as you talk about the five-pointed star, we finally have the four elements connecting to 
the celestial being that we are, this sort of idea of the above and the below coming together and moving on up the ladder of consciousness with our hero. Yeah, no. And the story. Yeah, no. Beautiful, man. And I completely agree. And, you know, especially with material like this, again, I, I came across this, this document about four years ago. And it's fascinating to look at what I highlighted four years ago and what I highlight today. Now, this document for mm. me is completely highlighted because I, you know, I'm like, it's, I'm going over the old one and I'm like highlighting, but right. the stuff I noticed now wasn't shooting out into my consciousness as the importance as what was before I was earlier with it, going through it. So again, when we approach things like mythology, we always want to go back and rehash that. It doesn't matter how advanced we feel we are in these esoteric studies, always go back to these root sources because there's always information to harvest and you are not the same person. Just like you're not, if you go to a stream one day and then go to the stream the next day, you're not the same person and it's not the same stream, you know, because we're constantly going through this process of unfoldment and becoming. And so looking back at these resources of going back to these mythologies, there's always something to kind of pull away from it. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's a great way to kind of, you know, piggyback on what you were kind of saying there. Um, and again, please, everybody needs to investigate this information for themselves because by, in, by investigating this, you're going to have your own inner realizations that are not going to be published in any book. They haven't been written in, or unfolded in the written or the spoken word yet. So it really gives you a, like a unique opportunity to not only learn the occult and the esoteric, but to experience the occult and the esoteric. When we kind of tap into these ancient stories of the self, um, and you know, and that's what the five represents. It represents the human being becoming that individual, knows himself as the self. Um, again, we kind of speak about that, like I, my, and mine. And the idea that we really come to terms as being a living actor on this world stage, and we're really starting to participate in life and seeing how that life force works within us and it moves out. And that's going to be this big responsibility of Leo. What do you do with that life force? What do you feed with that life force? And, you know, ultimately when we kind of think the, the coming together of polarities in this, in this fifth sign, we really have the coming together of father spirit and mother matter. And they have their union in the divine son of man, the sun, God, the son of God. Right. And that's what we're kind of looking at. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's the, the number five is infinite, just like all the other numbers. Um, and it's like a blueprint. Once you learn the lesson, a new, more complex, intuitive blueprint, blueprint is presented for you. And it's a forever becoming process, just like you are a forever becoming process. We are a flower that's constantly unfolding and blossoming. Absolutely, man. Well said, dude. Well said. And I think that, you know, it's funny for everything that you're saying. Um, so much of that resonates with me as we do our separate studying, you and I, you know, I know there's been a lot going on lately um, with so many moving parts, but you know, you go back and then you read something and then you read it again and you, and you, <laughs> and then you have a tendency to overlook things and then you have a tendency to look things way too intensely. And you're like, what's the meaning behind this? And what's it be? And I feel like just that the shedding of having what you thought once was a theory or once was a, um, just a, 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 a an understanding of, of, a, 
of a philosophy reinterpreted takes time to digest. And I think that's one of the things that even in the story that I appreciate with Hercules is the time he takes to rest in between his labors is imperative, I think, just for us as well when we're unfolding this information. Because if you start running through it so quickly, you miss some very, very basic but key factors in what it is to develop as a human, but also to have what to have a a peaceful approach to the signs that are just right there under your nose. And, you know, again, with the labors, you see that with Hercules, you see that he struggles and wastes time trying to go into a different direction in order to complete the labor. And it's not until he really goes into his intuition or has his intuition lead him to the right way or through the right path that he sees all the answers right before him. And I feel like that's happening to all of us as we are on this journey with the breakdown of exoteric and esoteric or what a philosophy might be and what you know a theory might be that we've already known about but didn't really have an understanding of what it was actually trying to convey to us and i think that's what really pulls people um, into this information is that just like the tarot and just like mythology something calls to you it's not just the imagery and it's not just a heroic story it really represents not only who we are as people, but who um, who is actually going through this journey individually um, will have the answers come to them at a proper time. And again, our hero goes through that himself. I know that she kind of moves through that really quickly, but every story she says, there's a little bit about how there's a resting period and then there's the voice that calls to him and he has to kind of decipher what that voice is saying to him and really understand why that voice is um, either calling to him or pushing him in a direction or even deceiving him. And so yeah. we all go through that, you know what I mean? With our instinct and we all struggle with what that means. What is an instinct? What is this inner voice that speaks to us and why is it directing us in one way over another? And is it a, a way of us holding our or is are we holding ourselves back or are we you know protecting ourselves from a voice that isn't really you know aiding us in this sort of unfoldment of ourselves but also in the progress of reaching you know as far as we can go beyond this five world sense and so uh construct but uh yep. yeah anyways. no absolutely man and that's a great point because he does rest between the labors um you work hard, you have to rest hard. Um, you have to give time for this information to distill and kind of blossom within you. And giving that space, and we've kind of spoke about that with the surrendering to this information. It's not just a go out and always be scouring for this information. We need to take what we take in um, and sit with it and allow that space, allow the mm -hmm. subconscious to form the higher understanding. Because what this esoteric information does is it tunes your tuning fork to be able to tap into internal realizations and like almost what you would call like a download. And when we don't allow that space, we miss out on the ultimate significance or, you know, the ultimate fruit that can come from this esoteric studies. I mean, just think about the lion when it feeds and it hunts and it takes in all of that nutrition, it rests, it takes a break, you know, and it lets its body actually process that nutrition where we really don't do that. You know, nature 
is it's like, hey, I don't know how much easier I can make this for you. Like spring is always at the same time and it's the birth of life. And winter is when you like are supposed to die and be reborn. I do it every year at the same time. You guys are just, uh, you know, you guys are the bozos that just keep going full speed at all time. And you don't even stop to see the process that's, you know, unfolding within you. You know, even as a child, I would eat and they're like, hey, wait for 15 minutes before you get in the pool. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Psych, cannonball. And I would just like jump right in, you know? And it's just like, we have that approach (laughs) in life and that's, and we have to learn to really like sit with it and let the stuff distill, give it, give it time. Remember the subconscious, which is going to be our ultimate teacher from the heart does not work on a linear timeline. It's not linear. We are in a linear experience, but the universe is not a linear experience. It's more cyclical. So give it time to go through those cycles. Give it time to go through that ebb of flow. Give it time for when you plant the seeds in that universal womb of life. Give it time to blossom and really, you know, sprout out this new deeper understanding. I love the way you say that because that that definitely helps us segue into what this whole story breaks down because, and, you know... (laughs) It's so funny because it's exactly what what we're going to jump into here with what the lion represents. And so we see that our hero, you know, has now gained his wisdom, has gained this information and his emotions are controlled as Alice Bailey talks about. But as they all blend together, all of these experiences, you know, there is something that he's going to have to defeat. And that is, you know, what he's acquired that has given him this confidence and this satisfaction of, you know, having this understanding and this force that he, you know, uses to complete the labors. And as Hercules rests and the voice calls to him, you know, he has no doubt in his mind. He's like, I got this. I know I got this. I've already been through all these other, you know, uh, experiences that have helped me get to this point of confidence and this point of control. But that's where you find the lion. The lion is this, you know, obviously the the, the soul that he needs to sort of tame um, and sort of evolve out of from its, you know, rigid and tough ways that he has sort of built upon these experiences. And again, it's not that it's a bad thing, but you know, in the, in the myth, the lion is a menacing force. And just like, you know, confidence being a a great ruler of, you know, having direction and having purpose, it can be a menacing force within us if we don't allow it to be controlled, you know, if we, or if we don't allow to ourselves to control it and actually come face to face with it. And that's what our hero is doing here. It's not so much that whether or not he has, the courage to face the lion, it's whether or not he can f- decipher how he will, um, you know, end this, this dominating force that could, you know, be his demise if he doesn't come face to face with it and what it really represents inside of his soul in order to continue on with the next labor and evolving into that higher self and that number 10 that eventually he'll get to as we're in the halfway point right now. So... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah, great. Halfway to Capricorn, halfway to the top of the mountain, right? And we're making our way up there. And y- y- you nailed it, man. Like that's such a great way to kind of look at this. And and again, when we're thinking about, because we're going to kind of learn not only how he defeats this lion or overcomes this lion should be a better way to say that. One of the big things right. we want to kind of recognize too is this is not the lion that we spoke about in the beginning of the story. There's two lions here. And there's two lions, you know, and so what we're going to really represent there. And if we want to like take our minds back to about like a year and a half ago on the podcast, 
when we were doing the alchemical process, what these two lions represent is the lion of the higher self, and that's going to be the self with the capital S, and the lion of the lower self, and that's the lowercase s. That's the persona. That's the lion that is the tyrant that is causing these villagers to live in fear. It's the lower self. It's the lower ego. Again, we don't, in the West and in the East, when we actually translate it correctly, ego has gotten, it's almost gotten like memed in modern day, you know, spirituality, and everybody sees ego as Mm -hmm. this negative thing. Ego is the life force that pumps your heart. Ego is what makes you put food in your mouth and not just put food in others. You know, ego is when a tree is falling, you step out of the way. You know, ego is the protection of the self. And so there's nothing wrong with the ego. It's when we identify with that ego and we identify it as our own internal power rather than a universal eternal power that powers us through this process of self-unfoldment, self-discovery. And so that's what we're really going to be looking at is these two lions within us and what lion do you feed? This is the same mythology that we're going to see in Native America, but it's going to be with two wolves. What what wolf do you feed? Do you feed the, the wolf of higher spiritual understanding or do you feed the wolf, wolf of materialism? You know, you feed it with your energy. What fire are you going to fuel with this Leo? Especially now that fire comes back around. This is our second, this is our second dance with fire. This is the first time we're seeing right. a, a similar element that we've already seen on this journey. Aries was the first. Now we have fire with Leo. Well, how are you going to, what fire, where are you going to add the wood to? Where are you going to add the experiences to? What are you desiring from this fire? And this lower ego is that tyrant king. It's the king that has hijacked the body and it's not letting the higher self come through and it's not letting that universal consciousness work through us. It's blocking it. And all of a sudden, this capital I of the universe, which is the one eye, the universal eye, is more of a subjective lens. And it's more of this like, oh, well, like this power is within me. And we're going to see this through not only prior to our spirituality with this Leo energy, when we identify with the persona, but this is also something that all spiritual students also come to face to face with through this process of initiation. Because all of a sudden, you realize that there's a spiritual hemi inside you. Like you have a universal life force that's operating within you. And some of us in the spiritual process almost get blinded by that. And we almost utilize that as this, this like, overwhelming power and we think we're better than others. And that's kind of something that happens when you tap into this life force. And we can we can see that sometimes in our spiritual community. You know, it's like it can become a competition when really what this true king is, is not showing off your own light, but it's helping other people illuminate the light within themselves. And you almost become a mirror and you help them see the greatness that is them, which is in that which is within them. And you harvest the greatness that's within you. Absolutely, man. And I, I like that. And I'll take this uh, point that you're saying right now to, you know, make a, a reference to the um, duality here within what you're saying. And then the villagers who are hindered from doing what they're meant to do in their village, you know, and they can't go on with daily life tasks and they can't go on living in peace because this this lion that terrorizes them, you know, keeps them from having any kind of progress. And that's the same thing you should take on 
with the idea of what you're saying. And I love that you're saying this because, I mean, I've even had encounters with individuals as we talk about these stories or we try to talk about, you know, even just using nowadays the word astrology, you know, either you're dismissed because there's no belief in it and there's no, um, there's nothing that anchors an individual to that. So some people just look away and then there's individuals who have an understanding of astrology, but they think you don't either. So even, so, so you're kind of always having to decipher between how you're going to talk about this information with an individual for the greater good of that village that's being hindered by this lion or in essence, the ego that's being fueled by the information that you know, that is connected to that celestial um, above power source that's coming through us. And I feel like that's where you have to let go. You have to sort of relieve yourself from using that power for only you and your knowledge and excluding others who may not have an understanding and actually invite everyone to have a conversation that betters all of us together, like the villagers who need to move forward in their life, but the lion hinders them from that. And so I feel like that's that's something that we we don't talk about a lot on this podcast because you know you're going to get individuals like I said that have pushback either because they don't believe or don't want to believe or don't want to have an understanding of it or they have a complete understanding of it to their knowledge at least or to their um to their experiences with say such a thing as astrology but they kind of hold it for themselves and they push you away going, you don't, you don't know what you're saying or you don't have an understanding. But yet, this is the language that we all can speak. It's just a matter of how we unlock it. And the best way to unlock it is to have a conversation like this. Or in the case of Alice Bailey, she's using mythology to sort of have a connection with people that is a universal connection that allows people to have a breath that we can all take from at the same time rather than just saying, well, you're not initiated enough to understand what's happening here. It's like, hey, you can take the story, you can be a child and say, wow, and then what Hercules do? What did he do next? And just by explaining the process of what he did next and what comes next, the child or the individual, it doesn't even have to be a child, but the individual who has an open heart for this information can pretty much pick up the pieces that are there that are inherently ours to take anyways together, though, to be part of that, you know, grand and bigger, um, you know, source of energy that we all come from. Um, you know, as we always talk about, we're all just a drop from you know, that goes right back to the ocean. You know what I mean? You can't hold this information for yourself and think I know more than the individual because then you're just basically representing this lion that we all must slay at some point, which is, Hey, you, you see the power behind it, but now there's a way to release that power and to actually not let that power control every move you make, even though it is a power to be reckoning with. It is a power that we want to you know, use for ourselves and to elevate ourselves out of, you know, um, maybe a darker place or maybe a place of unhappiness. But at some point, that ego you're talking about, as you, I like the way you say, move out of the way of a falling tree, you know, and there's, there's going to be instances where you need it for survival. And there's instances where you can put it to rest because it's not necessary for the moment at hand. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Conserve the energy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you continue, want to continue there, man? Oh, no, okay. you're good. You know, we're doing this through distance. So it's, there's like always a little delay. Um, but no, man, I love that. And in the idea of how often does that ego mistake fear for danger? 
You know, we think, oh, somebody's insulted us. So the ego comes out and has to like protect us. Well, the ego's supposed to, you know, protect us from danger, not the fear of somebody maybe like one upping us. Because at the end of the day, like, who cares if somebody tries to one up us? Like, are you satisfied with yourself? Perfect. Nobody can touch you. You now have the lion heart. Now you have that shield. Um, and again, this is this Leo energy is such a beautiful thing to kind of think about. Um, and we're going to kind of, again, all of these cards have, cor- like all of these signs have correspondences to tarot card. And we're going to really approach this when we get to the strength card. And there's a reason why the strength card is a female and it's very distinctly a female, just like the high priestess and the empress is. You know, it's not a, it's not a um, one that can kind of go both ways like the fool card can, where you're like, is it a male? Could it be a female? Mm. You know, you could really kind of go, you know, yeah. kind of you can see it from both aspects. But what that represents is the strength in surrendering to this universal life force. We don't want to, when we tap into this universal life energy, we can't make the pitfall mistake of mistaking this for a heightened personal energy that comes in. And there's a reason why it's the female, because the female represents the ultimate strength of surrendering, which is so much harder than dominating. Um, and that's something we're going to be learning in this in this step of how we actually empower and actually how we lead. And it's by, again, illuminating others to be the best that they possibly could be, rather than this like tyrant king who just wants to dominate individuals. And I... Obviously, you're my spiritual brother. We have an amazing connection. The people I make uh, through this podcast um, have amazing connections. I will say, though, that sometimes when I think individuals that are representing more of that feminine energy do a better job of connecting to other spiritual individuals, where sometimes that masculine energy, it becomes almost like everybody pulls out their measuring tape and it's like, my kundalini is longer than your kundalini. And it becomes this whole like, you know, it's like this kind of like this competition thing. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're here to strengthen each other. It's not me me being better than you or you knowing more than me. Like everybody's going to have their own unique relationship to this universal language of spirituality. And we should grow through that experience together, not try to be like who knows more than the other. Um, and that's not what this is about, you know? Um, and so really kind of like adapting to the idea of that like sisterhood that you see in spiritual groups that's so beautiful because they're so just there to empower each other and that's also what masculines are like that's also what the masculine energy is supposed to do in friendship it's supposed to just be the a generative force it's not supposed to be this competition um that's what we're moving away from this leo that's the that's the lion that we're literally strangling with our two hands that represent each our fives, you know, and that's what we're strangling. And we're literally watching the life leave its eyes. So the true I can be born, which is the higher self. Um, So again, I'm not, not dogging on anybody, but it's something we should be aware of. Um, We are here to grade strength and foundation for each other's at no point. Is this a competition? You know, like, it's like, even within like, People are like, oh, I don't like Theosophy because I'm a part of the Golden Dawn. Why can't you read both the Golden Dawn and Theosophy? You know, or like, hey, this this podcast did this episode better than you did. It's like, fantastic. I can't wait to listen to it. Like, it's not a competition. This is just all of us 
walking each other back home together. And we can do this through strength because only the strong can love. And that's what we're really working towards is that unconditional love. And only the strong can experience unconditional love. No, well said. 100%. And, and I know there's a lot of uh, analogies and a lot of encounters with individuals like this throughout time. You know, I'm, I'm sure that even the apostles, you know, taking the lessons from Jesus himself, have this idea of the word of, of God and what his interpretation might be, but they also may have not used the application in the most correct way because being that close to that information can also, you know, derail an individual to think, hey, I'm the one who knows this information, so therefore I have a key that you need to you know, acquire from me in order to open that door. And I'm not saying that the apostles did that for, per se, but I'm saying in those times are no different than in these times. The information that we are given or the information that we are interpreting is just a roadmap to make sure that we have a better understanding of how to connect and how to act on that love that is often blocked by, again, this ego, this fierce lion. Because again, with you know, great power comes great responsibility, but it starts with great power. And that's the hardest task because the power, once it's, you know, inside of you, once it's, it's felt by you, it's very hard to take the skin off and it's very hard to choke that out as what our hero does with this lion. I think it's one of the most difficult things because again, it, that power gives us vitality and that vitality allows us to live another day with purpose. And so it's kind of an interesting path of deciphering how to let go of the power that you've acquired once you've acquired it, but also how to share it. And I think that's something that we all think we know how to do, even when we're, you know, in, in, in our infancy and we start to grow up our parents, if they're good parents and show us love and and an understanding of equality, they try or attempt to give us a idea of what sharing actually is. But we're going to constantly, constantly, and at least from my perspective, struggle with what that really means and how to share is something that I think is part of our journey until the very last day of our physical body. Because again, vitality is powered by this information and this information is hard to sort of want to, again, divvy up and bring everyone together in a conversation like you and I can do. I mean, I'm very fortunate to have you as a friend because I can sort of, in other words, talk out of my mind, you know, through the above and the below. But you know what I'm trying to put down. I'm not here to say, hey, I read this book and this is the reference I'm going to give you. And therefore, now my status with you is validated. And you're like, okay, if you hadn't referenced that, then therefore I wouldn't have carried on this conversation with you. Most of what we're talking about, the overarching theme is having this connection that you and I have as friends, but it's also in a foundation of love, understanding, and above all, what I'm saying right now is that there's this um, unconditional um, way of sharing this information between you and I and the people that we actually even know as friends. And so, yeah. Absolutely, man. And, you know, when we're tying into talking about that power, because we are, we are dancing, walking stars. Um, we do have this power and it really kind of comes down to well, where is the source of this power? Is it, does it, does the source of this power reside in me? No, the source of this power right. resides in the universal life force. It's that power is working through me. You know, when, even like when it comes to knowledge, is this knowledge mine? No, 
I'm blessed that this knowledge works through me and I can express it. It's the same with you. And it's the same with everybody who has beautiful knowledge to share in the audience. It's the same thing with art. Are you the talent or does the talent work through you? Now, do you work and try to create skills and form for more complex universal talent to work through you? Absolutely. That's why we study. So we can understand and be bestowed more of this higher knowledge, but it's more of a gratitude rather than something of like my own personal magnitude. And, um, that's my freestyle of the day. (laughs) That's my freestyle of the day. But, um, but (laughs) yeah, absolutely, man. man. And again, this is, this is the, this is that choice between the two lions. What lion are you going to feed the lower self, the lowercase S, you know, or the higher self, what will thy be done? Is it the will of the uppercase W or is it the will of the lowercase W? You know, we spoke about this since the beginning when we broke down the difference between white magic and black magic. It's the same definition. It's just one, the will is capitalized and one, the will is lowercase. It's the low, it's the will of right. the lower self or the will of the higher self. You know, are you working for your own unfoldment of your limited material desires or are you working for the unfoldment of universal consciousness? Um, and that's the choice that Hercules is going to be met with. Um, and that's who he's going to come face to face with in this cave when he has this ultimate showdown with this lion of the lower self. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because, you know, so many of these stories that we um, have already interpreted, you know, there's going to be so many pages that we go back and forth. And definitely I have um, um, quite a bit of highlights here. But right away after I even read the story and I read it again before I, you know, stumbled my way to narrating it, um, it just became very obvious you know, where this was going, what was going to be done. And like I said, in the beginning of the episode, I was very impressed that, you know, for, you know, I, I believe this was published in the seventies, but even then her, her being Alice Bailey, her understanding of, you know, the endocrine system and glands is just marvelous how she brings up the idea of what this cave represents inside of ourselves and how we protect you know the higher self and how we need to let go of the lower self by you know introducing the pituitary gland which we've talked about before that third eye that that ability to see beyond the five sense reality and i've just again i just my hats off to her because she doesn't go too deep into it but she goes just enough with the whole breakdown of of this labor and there's a lot that we're going to obviously bring up when it comes to the understanding of this energy and what this leo uh, energy represents in our part two of this series but as far as everything that we've talked about so so up until this point um she just does a pretty good summary of it where it's not lingering and going down different paths, um, which it totally could if she really wanted to. And I think that's exactly how the labor goes. When people listen to the labor, they, they go, Oh, I thought there was going to be another trick around here around the corner. There was going to be something that happened where he was deceived or he had to bargain with another Titan. And instead it's pretty straightforward. It's like, you know what you need to do and you know what you need to dominate and you know, which, force is dominating the land right now so go and do your deed and you know um yeah there's just such little things that uh, add up to so much and this such a short story and and him accomplishing this labor you know 
Yeah, no, and, I, and I'm glad that you brought up those glands. Um, and, you know, once we, as we continued this journey of the, you know, the story of the fool and the story of the bastard, the occult significance of the human body is definitely a subject that we're going to explore. And we're going to really break down the brain um, in a deeper level. Um, we brought that, like one of the first episodes we did was the esoteric brain. Um, and that's one that we always get responses of, of like, hey, that changed how I look at how my brain operates. Um, and I know the esoteric significance of blood by my, you know, the beautiful experiences of natal charts is always an episode that like really resonated with people. And so, you know, we are going to go and explore those topics as well in the future. And, you know, one of the things that Alice Bailey does such an amazing job of in this, and I think, you know, you would just alluded to it perfectly, the idea of quality over quantity, which is so significant when we're talking about this, she yeah. says so much in a few sentences, you know, it's not, she could have wrote about all of this stuff and it could have been, you know, eons of volumes, but she kept all of the words more focused on what is going to give me the most density and the most esoteric significance. And she did, she chose the quality of the words rather than the quantity of the words. And again, that's something that is um, an important thing for us to kind of think about the quality of experience rather than the quantity of experience, you know, the quality of spiritual growth rather than the quantity of spiritual growth. Like, yeah, we always want to be going on this journey, but if we don't have true quality when we're looking at these signs and we're just going to blow through these episodes, just so we say that they were done or we blow through an esoteric book just so we can put it on our shelf and mark complete, we're not getting what we really need out of this. All of this stuff is meant to go slow, pick up the density, really mine the deep gold that is embedded in each and every one of these sentences and all of the other amazing esoteric researchers today, tomorrow, and in the future. And so, yeah, man, I, well said, you know, man. It's, it's, it's just something we always want to kind of get connected right back to, you know, and always kind of want to think about. And this Leo energy that we're dealing with here, and again, when we kind of break down the astrological correspondences next week, we'll talk about it. But this Leo energy isn't the sunrise that Aries is, which is like, which almost like marks the ascendant of the breaking from darkness into light. This Leo energy is like sun at midday when the sun is right over our head. So this is this universal generative force that is illuminates everything. And what you're supposed to do here is this is all about your own inner illumination and everything the light touches is your kingdom. And that's what we're going to really kind of be breaking Ooh. down with like this whole story, a little precursor for the next episode, huh? Wink, wink. Um, I like what so, you just yeah, did there. I like there. what you did there, man. Um, and so it's, um, it's, it's going to be this interesting thing. And you know, one thing too, and I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but this is also the first Zodiac sign that the exoteric planet that rules it is the same as the esoteric planet that rules it, which is the sun. And the next one we're going to see with that is Capricorn with Saturn. And why is that? Well, Saturn and the sun are like the ultimate story. It's the story between life and death. It's the story between consciousness and form. You know, it's the ultimate thing that we're kind of looking at here. Um, and the sun, the sun does not rise either to you. And this is that own universal life force within us. And what we're doing here is we're making a personal relationship and knowing that that sun is actually just a representation of the sun that's burning inside of you. 
you know, you are this walking star. And that's what we're really going to be kind of looking for. And that is the fuel that we're going to be, that is the lion that we're looking to nurture. That's the, that universal life force energy, which the sun represents. The sun is, again, the ancients did not worship the sun. Like you're told in your, you know, your ACAD universities, they didn't worship the sun. They worship the sun as a representation of that universal life force. It was the infinite making mm. itself finite. It was the invisible making itself visible. At no point did they worship the physical sun. Um, it was never that way. And that's why we're, again, we're learning about the son of God, which is each and every one of us. Um, and the importance that you are the most important person in the universe. And so is the person sitting right next to you. You know, everybody is, and that's what we're really kind of working for, um, you know, in this energy. Um, but I think they do a great job through this conversation and through this, through this myth of talking about how, how it's devastating the land and how people live in fear. They've locked themselves mm -hmm. up. What that means is the higher self has locked itself up. It's not being able to explore this map of destiny, which is its God-given right. And why they can't go and they like talk about, well, I, we can't go out and farm because we're afraid of this, of this lion. Well, what that represents is we are inability, our inability to harvest the spiritual fruit that comes from our spiritual unfoldment because we live in fear, because we live in doubt, because we don't feel like we're good enough, because we let that lower ego conquer us. That lower ego is has use is using you as a host. It does not have the universal life force. So it attaches itself to you and it hijacks your experience. And this lower self, why they're so afraid is because this lower self will do anything to maintain control of you. This lower self is what pushes people to suicide. Your higher self will never ask you to take your own life because the reason you are here is to experience life. And that's how the higher self unfolds and evolves. And that's how the source of the higher self, which is the universal consciousness evolves. It would never ask you to take your own life. This lower self, because it wants to gain control so much, will push you to the idea of actually stopping your breath rather than it losing control. So that's why this is such a scary, fearful thing. And this is why... Hercules drops all of his weapons because you can't use any external weapon or any external shield is going to help you in this journey of overtaking this lower self and allowing the true king to reign, which is your higher aspects. This is why there's so much fear. And again, we there's no amount of arms that allows you to go inside. You know, it's not we're not afraid of the demons under our bed. We're afraid of the demons in our head because there's nothing we physically can do to that, you know, other than sit and go into this internal journey to come face to face with this lower lion and actually strangle it and cut off its life force energy that it's hijacked from you and take that life force energy and give it to the true king, the true self, which is always just waiting for us to allow that. Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's awesome, man. No, you just got me. You just uh, you, you got me definitely all fired up right now because that's exactly how um, you know I was as I was reading this a, a few times, interpreting what the people represented and what Hercules. Because you know, obviously, there's there's so many different um, 
clues and 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 turns within the story that kind of show you how he's dominating this lower self but couldn't have put it a better way i couldn't have put it a better way that you just did right now because that's exactly what's going on and that's exactly what we need to consider within this lower self and how it dominates you know um you know that this part of us that definitely people fear uh, losing control over and letting it take over and actually taking us down a dark path. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, what you just said definitely resonates a lot with what, what I really wanted to express from, from the interpretation of, of how this journey, um, for the, for the bastard is unfolding and how it ends with this labor in the fifth labor, um, with the demand line. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And it's, and it truly is in identifying this lower ego because he doesn't just have one trick. He's going to use all the tricks. He's going to use fear. He's going to use self-doubt. He's going to use the idea of you being inadequate, you not being enough. This is how he operates. Exactly. And he's always going to come slithering back. He's, it's unrelentless. And so what we do is once we take care of it the first time, we're ready. And we don't allow, we don't welcome that vampire into our house anymore. Because remember, a vampire has to gain permission to enter your house. Every mythology is right. going to do that. It's right. because you have to invite these hosts into you. You welcome them in, and then they start sucking your energy. And that's exactly what this lower ego do. It's hijacked you, and it's using you almost as a host. And this is not the host that we want to host into our body. You know, again, we are going to, we have to tap into some universe, we have to tap into some force so we tap into that universal life force. But remember, you are of the infinite. So your higher self would never tell you you're inadequate. Your higher self would never have you fear death. You are from the infinite. You are already the infinite. Again, self-realization, it's not so much the collecting of the pieces. It's the realizing that we are already whole. Well, it's this lower ego that blocks you from this. It's the lower ego that says, well, that person's better than you, or you're not as good as this person. Or like, you, why do you live in a little house with just your cat? Like, come on, can't you do better than this? But my higher self, when I tap into it, is like, isn't your cat badass? And I'm like, oh, most definitely, most badass cat in the world. He's like, sounds like you're doing exactly damn thing what you're supposed to be doing. And this is, again, one of the things like that I always stress to the audience through, like, you know, through our conversations, through the natal charts and the alchemical counseling, I don't mean to speak for you, Eduardo, but guys, this is that we are all going through the same experience. We have self-doubt. You know, we get those aspects of depression. Like these are things that are part of this human experience. And we really have to understand that, like, again, you know, now you never would call us gurus because we're not your gurus. Um, but we're just on this journey together and we're having these conversations um, and we're learning together through this experience. But we are not these are not aspect, like these are not absent aspects in our life, you know, insecurities, fear, but we're working together the strength of the whole to overcome this together. And that's why we have these conversations. And that's what we're really kind of pursuing here. And so, you know, facing that lion and not letting it back into your house, once you let it leave, once you, once you expel it, we don't let it back in. We almost stand on like the, uh, 
we almost like stand on the porch with like a spiritual shotgun. And we're like, not here, not today. You know, we, we really get that, not only the strength card, but we will learn that through the chariot card. And we have the two watchers of our mind that protect us from these negative thoughts. Once we expel it, then we put those two pillars up and we protect ourselves from this lower version of a snake, snake lion slithering back in and trying to kind of rehost on top of us, you know, and that's what we're, that's what we're really kind of looking at. And so, you know, we go through this process of slaying this lion and then we utilize that Leo strength to create that strength to protect us from the future times that this lion is going to try to make its way back in. But once the true king is there, it's much harder for it to kind of regain that hosting ability that it has. And so, you know, we, again, um, and I would love to kind of, you know, um, obviously get your thoughts because I'm just going off on a morning coffee tangent here. But, um, you know, I know we want to talk about the cave. I know we want to actually talk about this experience. And so I'm going to, pass the lovely know thyself talking stick over to my glorious friend here, Eduardo, and uh, get your response. No, you know, I think it's great that you, that you, you know, the way you're, you're speaking right now, you know, you can always speak for the two of us here in, in the sense that, you know, this information, you and I talk about this all the time is not ours for us to just dominate over like this line and then keep it to ourselves in these conversations and excluding everyone else. And so I think everything you're saying is extremely vital and important for those to understand that, you know, we're doing this as two friends unfolding this information for those who are already unfolding within themselves, who just want a different perspective and an interpretation. And again, people like Alice Bailey back then may or may not have had to use a story like this you know, the labors of Hercules, um, and, and, and sort of this idea of what it represents, uh, without her having to have too much to say of just her, you know, her own opinion, uh, rather using this story to convey that opinion and to have this connection. And so I think that, you know, we're just taking it one step further. And, and it's funny cause you know, you, you left me off there with the cave and moving into the cave, you know, we haven't had in this entire series that we've done like I said, too much information regarding this sort of psychoanalytical approach. But again, when she wrote this um, and and published this in the 70s, that was already, you know, coming about with, you know, ideas, whether it was through Carl Jung or through Freud that everybody would know or mainstream would know in regards to having a point of view uh, of the sub conscious and what that really means and how it really rules us and why it rules us in a certain way. But here she brings up a great, great interpretation, again, not only within the endocrine system through glands, but this cave. And and we've talked about the cave before and people know of the cave and whether it's through Plato or having this, um, you know, great understanding of what this deep cave means, here she kind of just puts it in plain sight. And the cave really representing these um, darker places in our brain that protect you know, the ego and keep the ego in a certain place from uh, being reached and being dominated and only being called upon when needed. Um, the brain does this on its own. And she talks about how there's a sp- specific place inside of you know, our, our, our head scientifically proven where, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, this, this darker place where the gland can protect himself from and the gland, the pineal gland that is, um, you know, being this representation of, of what we're talking about here with the ego and the story and the higher self versus the lower self. And so, 
Yeah, I just think that, again, she she does a wonderful job of sort of using that metaphor of the cave being the mind and the lion being the soul. Um, I mean, if that's kind of where you want to go off of right there. Absolutely. And, you know, cave symbolism, apart from this mythology, anytime we see the cave, whether it's in a movie, whether it's a story, it's going to represent the going in of the internal self, going into the darkness of the subconscious, you right. know, looking at the cycles, looking at the patterns, um, looking at the, even the repressed memories, you know, um, and why, why the cave is brought up here is because now we're dealing with this midday fire so we can illuminate the cave. Leo is all about illumination, illuminating the dark aspects, everything the light touches, right? Everything the light touches is your kingdom. And this is the journey of taking that eternal eternal light that burns within us and utilizing it as a guide to go into the scary places within ourselves and to go in there with confidence and to go in there with bravery. And that's what this fire is really going to represent. And it's going to represent the going within of that, you know, that whole aspect. And what do you need to do self-work? You need bravery. It's a scary experience. You know, it's why so many people are afraid of the dark. They're not afraid of the dark because they think like a little goblin is going to get them. They're afraid of the dark because the dark is a representation of the aspects of themselves that they haven't yet discovered and incorporated to help with that self-realization of wholeness. And so, you know, this is, the cave is going to mimic, we've spoken before about the esoteric significance that comes from the North, um, the Nordics, you know, in all of the Northern mystery schools. Well, why they bring such a dense spiritual understanding to explore is because they live in darkness most of the year because of how, you know, because of the, the movement of the planets and everything like that, their winters are very long and very dark. So they have a prolonged darkness that they truly had to experience and surrender to this darkness. And so why we have the cave in these stories is because the cave is going to mimic the cultures that were closer to the equator, their ability to go into the deep darkness of the earth to mimic the darkness of the winter at any time. So the cave was always going to right. be a place for us to explore and kind of mimic what the Nordics just had to experience throughout just their life, you know? And that's what we're really going to kind of see with the cave. It's, it's a way for us to utilize the resources of the earth to mimic the experience of true darkness and coming to face the darkness. And, you know, you look long enough into the darkness into the void and the void looks back. And so that's why the cave was used because it was like a, it was like a rite of passage and it's just continued on. But, you know, you, we've all experienced going into a cave. It's a, it's a, right. it's a beyond this world experience. You know, um, you feel it's, it's one of those things you really feel like you've traveled to another world. Um, and that's what it's really going to kind of show. And we've all kind of gone into ourselves that's that's a whole different world that we have to explore, you know, and there's this whole different experience. And so that's why we're going to really kind of see cave symbolism. Um, again, you know, the true story of Jesus was he was born in the cave. Like, you know, we, we see it as the major, but there's a lot of early 
documents that it was like more of a cave and it's showing that that's where we're kind of born and we have to utilize this light to illuminate it so we don't have fear what's around the corner but we treat it and we meet it with this love and this light aspect that illuminates within us awesome man awesome yeah there's it's funny because i as i look at the documents and everything i'm highly like just save that just save that but um yeah, if, if there's anything else you want to, you know, go ahead and break down within this, you know, I'm all ears because, um, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself and with another story that we'll be interpreting pretty soon. So um, at this point, I think I'm going to just sort of surrender and, and not really say much more about the this interpretation um, through through the fifth labor. But if there's anything else you want to add to it, man, um, by all means, if not... You know, I think I'm I'm good to go. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, the the significance again of like the lack of weapons and tools, and how no things are going to help you in this journey of yourself. Not even another person. You know, we we can have guides through this journey, but you have to do the work yourself as alchemist. How we help out other alchemists is we help fan their furnace and we help fan their flames so they can go on this internal journey themselves. But nobody can do this work for you. Nobody can row your boat and you can't row anybody else's boat. Now we can have these conversations to give support and help give guidance, you know, but at the end of the day, we have to kind of go through this journey ourselves and thinking about this idea of why the lion is strangled why the lion is strangled with the two hands and really thinking about the hands are your representation of the five pointed star, the deep intelligence that kind of comes from this. And it's the unification of even the, the polarity of that divinity that's on the left of you and that divinity of the right of you coming together to actually slay this lion. Because the truth be told, you slay it because it's either it or you, the persona or the true higher self. And you truly have to watch the life leave its eyes so the true eye can live. This, this lion, the serpent, must always be meet, met with smooth justice and force. It's nothing that we allow. It's nothing that we cater to. Once we expel it, we never let it back in. And we put up that true energy. And this true Leo looks to, to find that authentic life within itself and also what we're going to really see with this Leo, because it represents this leadership role, this aspect of, again, even connecting to child, like the child, what, like having fun. Like Leo represents that child energy. And we'll look at this more when we're doing the astrological correspondence. Um, right. You know, but it really is pulling that inner child back up into consciousness. Um, and what we're going to really do with this Leo energy is once we – once we really identify this in ourselves, again, it's not this dominating force. It's a force used to help others find the light within themselves. And we act as a mirror rather than this idea of like, look at me. It's more of like, well, look at you. You know, if this is in me, it's in you. And that's what we're really going to kind of see. Moving from see my light to do you see your light? Because I am everything, but so are you. You know, and that's what we really want to kind of explore with this. And, you know, it's it's this interesting thing because when we really accept this higher light that's within us 
And we really, again, you know, connect to the idea that we are a dancing, moving star. Well, the whole universe is holding our breath for this. Um, the whole universe is holding our idea for the self-representation because, you know, you are the most important thing in the universe. And the kicker is, is so is everyone else. The chosen ones are not the ones, the, the chosen ones are never going to be a race, a religion, or a country. The chosen ones are the ones that chose to connect with their higher self. That's what the chosen ones are. There's not one, it doesn't matter if you're red, green, yellow, purple, blue, it doesn't matter. The chosen one is you when you choose to empower this higher aspect of yourself. It's not any, it's not going to come from any kind of sect. It's not going to come from any kind of class of people. The chosen one is not just, you know, this one people and everybody's going to claim that they're the chosen ones, but you know, a lot of people talk and talk and talk, but they say nothing, you know, because that's truly what it is. It's just talk. It, there's no truth to that. The chosen one is just the individual that illuminates the self within. You know, you can only, you know, this life force that we're choosing to really represent here with this Leo energy um, is the light force that's going to illuminate the way to find this love peace, grace, and freedom that we always kind of talk about. Um, and we're going to really kind of learn this idea of, you know, we're really going to kind of learn this idea of how we utilize this life force to promote and nurture life throughout this universal kingdom that we find ourselves in. And, and so, and again, man, and, I'm really excited too, to, you know, because we're going to, with this being such a, a big, important story, it's the most popular story of Hercules for a very true mm -hmm. reason. Um, we're going to really keep exploring even this labor breakdown in this next episode. And Leo is actually going to get three episodes. And so I'm really excited about like what we're going to kind of explore next. Um, but you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take a breath here and I'm going to, you know, surrender to this coffee caffeine that I haven't been drinking coffee in a while. And it really jazzed me up today. Um, but yeah, man, I, you know, I, one of the things I really want to end with this is, you know, great people pull out the greatness in others. And there's a reason why, you know, we do this podcast together because like truly you are one of the greatest individuals I oh, ever met. Thanks, and it's always such an honor because you pull out this greatness um, through our conversation. Um, and you've always been that individual to like illuminate others and show others their own light. Um, and so you always um, make me blush. And so today I was just like, I'm going to make it a oh. blush, but you truly are my friend. And you, um, when I was reading this story about Leo and thinking about these qualities, um, you always kind of came into my mind and, you know, each and every one, like all the people I meet as well, you're all such great individuals. But I just want to say it's it's just the ultimate honor to uh, be on this journey with you, my friend. And it's just I, you are the you are uh, you are Braveheart, you are Lionheart, <laughs> and you are a very much a Lion King, my man. And so um, I tip my hat oh, to thanks, you. Thanks, man. I really I take that to heart. I really do appreciate that, man. Because you know, I know that for all individuals out there who have their own friendships and you know, loved ones and close people in your community or, you know, in your life and, and those who can communicate the way Daniel and I can communicate, you know, take something from these conversations between Daniel and I. It's not that he's just my best friend, but, you know, we have these understandings 
or we have an understanding of that that came before us and we have an appetite for more to basically discover but also convey between one another and so i agree with what you're saying in regards to reading these stories and then having this conversation with you does bring me closer to truth but also a truth within a friendship that i have with you that is um you know it's unmatched because you know again to have this information but to also be able to share it and then you know um bring the best out of each other is i think something no amount of money could ever you know uh you know come close to to buying this sort of like affirmation between individuals whether it it is um in a conversation or whether it is from a long-term friendship like you and i have had but these stories definitely help us sort of have the understanding of how we need to share this and so i appreciate that i get to do this with you each and every time that we get together because you know we're all alone in that cave and it's not until we can come out of that cave and tell other individuals about our story that we feel closer to them when they tell us, oh, I know what cave you're talking about. And that's something I get to do with you each and every other week that we do this or each and every time that even if we don't do the podcast and we just get to hang out and just have this conversation about what we've uh, either have an understanding of or where we need more uh, information brought to us in order to have the conversation for a later time that is applicable to whatever's happening in our real life situations that are presented to us, you know, throughout the years. And so, um, yeah, man, I tip my hat off to you as well. Should we do one of those things through the screens? Should I put my hand on the screen? I'll put my hand on the camera. You want to like, type <laughs> look, look at that. Perfect. <laughs> Look at that number five uh, coming awesome, back man. to us. Um, my man. But, um, well, I'm excited to continue. I am too, man. I really, I, friend, I, so. I, I, again, with you, it's, it's interesting because you pull this all out of me and I just like, I'm trying really hard to be like, there's two more episodes on this topic that I want to just save myself for because there's so many questions that I do have, you know, I really, um, I've had a, a wonderful time having this, um, this period of, of studying, not, not just astrology, but the interpretations by many who are taking on either imagery or mythology, or even just like when we did the biblical series um, and parts of the biblical series, I should say, because there's so much more that we need to do on that. But, um, you know, when this universal life force comes through me, I just want to rant, rant, rant away. And I'm just trying really hard to be disciplined enough to say, you know, just save it for those who are, um, you know, taking this path, a little slower maybe and are wanting to, you know, find their own um, means of information before they can just, you know, listen to me, just go a hundred miles an hour with you. So um, yeah, can't wait for the next two episodes. And uh, you know, again, our website and everything else that's been going on has taken up a lot of um, our time and energy in regards to, um, you know, doing the best that we can, not just by what we say, but what we actually do and how we do it it's for that um, individual out there who's ultimately cu- curious. You know, we get messages all the time through our Patreon account, through our Instagram. And so we can't wait to have one platform only for us to all sort of you know, answer these questions to one another and realize how many of us, you know, um, are on this journey, not only together, but are wanting to unfold it together. Um, not just, you know, hold the information to ourselves as we talked about earlier in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, no, man, super excited about the website, the form, 
all all of the things, all of the feels. And so, um, well, my man, um, is it about that time that we say until, until next time? Until next time, my friend.